Welcome to the Trevor Tysman Show. I know you guys know me from KBandsTraining.com, and I will continue to be posting different types of workouts and things like that aside from this show. But this show is going to be things that pique my interest, things that I've mastered, things that I do personally that I've become great at, and I have not found a better way to do things. But if I do, I will make sure to let you know. This video is going to be outlining how I've learned to become a better hydrofoiler, which is my hobby on the side. And uh, if you've got a hobby that you're interested in, make sure you leave a comment to where maybe I'll get into that and analyze how I think that you can do it better. I'm pretty good at the how-to style format, so why don't we just dive right into it? You're probably looking at some footage of my journey of hydrofoiling, and I'll tell you, I've had a really good time with it. It's kind of one of those sports that is very thrilling, a huge adrenaline rush. If you are a junkie, let me tell you, you will not find a rush like you do on hydrofoiling. As soon as you bring the ski out of the water, it's like instant flight. You feel like the silver surfer. You're moving around with zero friction. Not like snow skiing or water skiing where you have to work against friction to move you from left to right. This is more body positioning and angling a hydrofoil to move quickly. Now, I'd like to make this video to help young people learn how to do this sport. If I would have learned this when I was a young kid, you know, I would save myself from a lot of injuries. I mentioned in the last video, I had a bit of a, a whiplash type neck injury last year, and I've had to rehab that. And I'll talk through some of the different exercises that can heal that and or make your neck stronger uh, in a later video. But this video, I'd like to really analyze the how to get up, how to cut, and the different things that I've learned along the way. Now, in the video, you're going to see a lot of crashes and a lot of different things that uh, I hope to save you some time. I jumped quickly into driving the boat speed much faster than maybe you needed to. Um, I thought I was very good at water skiing and really enjoyed it, and I did that at about 24 to 26 miles an hour. So the faster that I could get to what I was comfortable with, I was really enjoying that feeling. But let me tell you, the crashes are, uh, they come along with that boat speed. But if you get down to the basics of it, this type of a, a sport can be very safe as long as you're going slow enough. Lots of boats struggle to hold a speed under 18 miles an hour and some even 20 or 21. So utilizing a cruise control can be a big advantage for you in this type of sport. Set the cruise around 16, 17 miles an hour. And when you sit down on the ski for the first time, it's an interesting feeling because everything in life, you learn how to do things with your feet. You learn how to land on your feet when you jump. If you've ever done a flip before, all the timing in your body is utilized to land on your feet. Unfortunately, with this specific uh, modality here or, or hydrofoiling on a sit down, you have to learn to time everything to where your butt is the driver through the T-bar onto the hydrofoil. It's a very interesting concept and it takes a long time to feel comfortable sitting down into the wave after a jump, driving or balancing with your center of gravity, not really in the palms or the balls of your feet, more so in, in your butt and through the rope. So as you get comfortable with this, you'll go through many different phases of how you utilize this positioning. But to start, you sit down in the water and you get on a short rope. The shorter the rope, the faster you get line tension. In hydrofoiling, the more line tension you have, the easier it is to control 
those wings flying through the water. So set your cruise at about 16, 17, or 18 miles an hour, and then put your rope at about 55 to 60 feet. If you're used to skiing, this is an odd transition because you feel very, very close to the boat. But at this position, you'll have line tension that makes the sport all that much easier. When you sit back in the seat, you want to lean back and then have your arms out kind of almost around your knees. But remember, your core must stay tight so that when the boat starts moving, you're going to push the wings forward in front of your center of gravity. If you let your body shift too far forward too quickly, you kind of dunk the nose and you defeat the whole purpose. So you have to keep a really tight core and let your arms sit in front of you while driving the wings forward and keeping your mass behind the T-bar. Now this seems easy, but unfortunately for an awful lot of new riders, it's very difficult to get this position down. It's, it's very easy to slide forward quickly. Now my wife, the one way that she did it that was really easy for her was she put her arms way up in the air. They call them ape hangers, way up in the air. And what that allowed her to do is when the, the ski started being pulled forward, her body shifted slowly as the slack hit her hands, and then it allowed her to get up much easier. Now that may work for some people, you're gonna have to test different methods if you're not getting one of those. So the one would be sitting back on your butt, having your le or your hands down low around your knees, and then when you drive forward, keep your core nice and tight. The other, high hands up in the air, as the ski starts to get more and more tension, you'll slide forward. Now this position, they call it the taxi. The taxi position uh, helps a whole bunch of riders stay away from any disasters of crashes right away because the tough thing about hydrofoiling is it's not just a left and right movement. It's left, right, up, and down. So you have to be able to control flight. It's almost as if you're flying a plane. Less foot pressure means the ski goes up. More foot pressure keeps the ski down. So there's so many levers involved in your vertical control that uh, it can be very tricky if you've never felt it. Now, as you get better though, and you start riding up, the first thing you wanna do is the taxi position. The taxi position means that you put all your levers forward. You lean forward, you let your hands reach out in front of you, and you almost put your, your chest on your knees in, a, in that kind of a format. And what that does is it drives all your levers forward and will keep your ski planing out to where you can actually ride it. The best way to get better at this sport is to be skiing. I know that sounds silly, but I've seen an awful lot of riders that if you can't keep the foil up into the water and you're falling and falling, you never really get to move through the phase of balance, the up and down and the left to right. So learning that taxi position can not only save you later on when you're trying to progress through different elements, but it'll also allow you to be in a lot more control early so that you stay up longer and able to play with those types of things. At any point in time, when you're riding, you can easily move to the taxi position. So if you get up a little bit in the air, drive your chest forward, put your hands out straight, and it's much farther forward than you think. It's not um, a simple lean forward. Uh, you want to drive all the way down, and if you've done anything else in the water, this would be bad advice because you would fly onto your face. But in this particular sport, with the way the ski is designed, the way the hydrofoil operates, when you do this, you will not bottom out. If you're going too slow, 
it is possible that you'll dunk the ski and you'll kind of just run out of gas and you'll let go of the rope due to the wings of the ski not actually flying anymore. But you're not going to get hurt. So this is your go-to, always moving into the taxi position. Now, as you get up, this is when the magic happens, okay? The first time you catch flight, it is a uh, rather exciting experience. So what you'll do is you'll keep your arms straight. You'll raise that chest up just a little bit. And if that ski starts to respond and give you a little bit of distance in between you and the water, now all the movements shift from a larger chest movement to micro movements. Let me explain. If you raise your chest up, you may have to move it six to eight inches before the ski moves. So your feeling in your body is going to be, this is actually what I'm going to need to do to make this ski move, and that is false. As soon as the ski gets out of the water and only the hydrofoil is what you're riding on, those wings underneath, the movements and the weight shifts are very, very minimal. You can make the ski go down by pressing your toes down. You can make the ski go down by lifting your hands up. You can make the ski go down by moving your chest forward, but all of them are just the smallest of movements. Now, if you raise your hands down too low and you get too excited, you're going the opposite directions. Hands down, chest back, as well as lifting your feet all make the hydrofoil leave the water. If you're going faster, that's why I suggest keeping your boat speeds low. If you're going really fast and you're a new uh, or a beginner to this type of movement, what you're going to do is you're going to start going airborne. Anytime you get over about 21, 22 miles an hour, you're going to start getting air and leave the water all the time with bad form. If you lean up, boom, out of the water. And it's not much fun. It hurts a lot. You know, you get turned on your side. You've got a little bit of that pivot smack. You know, when I was a lot younger, I did a lot of wakeboarding. And one of the reasons why I don't do it an awful lot anymore kind of a sore right knee, but I've also had whiplash so many times from catching an edge and you get that pivot smack where it just nails your head into the water. This can be very similar if you're going too fast, but unlike wakeboarding, you can go really, really, really slow and prevent a lot of these types of injuries. Now, after you get that taxi position and you work towards flight, you lift your chest up and then you begin to get flight. That's when you're trying to find the sweet spot. This section of riding was going to take you a little while to get used to. You're going to play with going up and down and you'll get too high. And then what do you do? You go back to the taxi. You reset everything. You get back to the bottom and then you reset with a slight chest lift, find the flight spot. And then we're going to kind of try to find the spot at which you are very balanced. It should be your chest slightly forward. Your arms are always straight and a little bit of foot pressure, depending on how shimmed the rear wing is on your rig. Now, as you start progressing and you get flight more often, the one thing to remember is that if you get out of the wake wash, it will be significantly easier. The easiest thing to do when you get up is sit right behind the boat because there's no directional poles happening whatsoever, right? The boat's going this way, you're following the boat. The problem is, is if you sit in that wash, you got to remember all those bubbles and all those things going on underneath the water is giving turbulence to your flight. So the faster that you can go in opposite sides of the bubbles, just move over just a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left and find those pockets, the faster you're going to get more consistent with your flight. So I don't recommend sitting in the middle 
and continually learning how to catch flight there because you're working in, a, in not a smooth environment. The more you sit in those bubbles, those are actually what's messing up your flight. It's not your weight positioning. It's not your hands. It's not your feet. It's actually the turbulence in the water. So get in each one of those pockets outside and you're going to find that it's way easier to find flight. Now, the next challenging thing is going to be cutting. I do not suggest ripping outside the wake and moving left and right. You kind of want to stay inside the wake and move back and forth because the wake is going to move your wings around if you're not very balanced. Now, if you go, let's zoom forward a little bit. When you're more advanced and you can cut back and forth through that, you kind of forget about this portion of it. You go with so much speed through those turbulent areas that you're able to balance right through them and your body kind of almost takes over once you've gotten flight. But if you're new to the game and you go off the edge of the wake and your wings nearly crest, that will oftentimes put you right on your face. So when you're learning to cut first, first start sliding from left to right inside that or even smaller if you have enough control is stay out of the bubbles and move just a little bit on the left and the right on one side and then maybe head over to the other and learn how to fly there but i would say don't spend so much time mastering any one thing as soon as you get good enough to get to the next thing take the next step because as soon as the next step is achieved the one that you weren't that good at it's not even a challenge so always progress move to the next thing. You've got up, you're mastering your taxi. Anytime anything gets too dicey and you're, you're inside the wake and it's jerking you all around, go to the taxi. Uh, you get too close to the edge and maybe you go off. Don't freak out. Lean forward. Taxi. Get yourself back under control. You don't have to be behind the boat to start taxiing again. But at these slow boat speeds, there's really not anything to be overly alarmed about because if you fall, you're going to be just fine. It's when you get up above 20, 21, 22 when those falls start to really add up. Anybody at any age can do this. And really, I've seen 70-year-olds uh, do it. I've seen 80-year-olds do it. I've seen 30-year-olds do it. The only part that becomes a restriction is if a child is too small to reach all the levers and be on it. If not, you're going to strap them in and they're not really going to get hurt on it anyway. Just like any water sports, you, you might incur some kind of an injury if you're doing things not properly. But the key is boat speed. If you're slow enough, you're going to be just fine no matter what. Now, as you begin cutting, just as I said with uh, trying to get to the next step, as soon as you can move the ski from left to right, you should be trying to get to each edge of a pendulum. Always looking. You know, if you've skied before, wakeboarded before, you're real familiar with it. All you do is lean on the rope and you slide from side to side, and it's very easy. But on this particular hydrofoil, there is no restrictions. There's, you just don't ever feel like there's tension anywhere. You lean on something and it just takes you. So you've got to be familiar or understand that on cut means you're actually semi-leaning away from the boat. And the faster you can learn that you're leaning away from the boat and you physically have to do it, with, with nothing in the way, a ski is simple. If I lean my shoulder out and I put a little weight on one of my feet, that's the water is going to push me that way. With this particular thing, if you turn it, you've got to kind of lean away too. It's a similar concept, but you're doing it with your shoulder and your butt and your feet. As you begin learning how to cut out and get a little bit of speed, that's when you may want to start jumping. And I tell you, jumping's pretty fun. I, I like jumping a lot. Any, 
I used to uh, water ski. And one of the funnest things that I did was I would jump from wake to wake. I thought I was hot stuff a long time ago. You know, you'd be able to jump over the wake. I go at any speed that we want to go. Sometimes I'd go faster, go like 27. Sometimes I go slower, but I could jump that wake easy. And I, I thought I was hot stuff. But this on a hydrofoil, you can get so much more air that I don't understand how every wakeboarder in the world is not hydrofoiling. The rush that you get when you're looking down at the boat, there's nothing like it. You got to remember the T-bar is 38, 39, 40, 41 inches. And if you're riding that hydrofoil and you hit that wake, you're already at 40 inches in the air. So as you progress through your jump height, you're going to notice that you're looking down at the boat nearly every single jump. And that is quite a rush. If that doesn't get you out of bed in the morning, I do not know what is. But before you get into your jumping, as exciting as it is, and I tell you, with my friends out here at the lake, I was very into trying to get in the air quickly. But I would suggest spending a little more time on learning how to really cut hard. Mike Murphy's a big, uh, you know, he's like the OG of the sport. You know, and if you look at a bunch of his beginner videos, the guy was spot on. The more that you can learn how to cut from end to end as fast as you can, you, you not only learn how to cut, you learn how to manage line tension. And if you're not used to having a lot of line in your hands, then you're going to get really hurt going in the air. So as you progress, after you get slowly cutting from side to side, before you leave the water, and you'll probably leave the water on your own. You won't mean to, but you will. Before you move on, you should be ripping from side to side as fast as you can. You should be able to plow, move quick, and the boat speed should be increasing as you progress. So where we started at, you know, 16 to 18, as you get a little bit better, you want to take your boat speed up a little bit because a lot of jumping is going to require stability. And stability is in constant line tension. So if you're trying to do a lot of tricks at 20, for beginners, it's kind of difficult to maintain line tension at that very low boat speed. Anytime that you cut and you come off your cut, it's not like a wakeboard where you easily come off the cut because you're plowing through the water with your board. This thing it has no friction. So if you come off your cut, you lose line really, really quickly because there's nothing pushing you away from the boat near at the same um, impact to the water as like a wakeboard would. So when you get to these upper level boat speeds, when you're getting to the 22 and to the 23, that's when a lot of your big air can happen. I personally would suggest doing some of your jumps in this area to where you get the feeling of a jump because you can leave the water much easier. And then you may even want to lower your boat speed back down and create the speed. And what I mean by that is, if you're wakeboarding, if you're hydrofoiling, and you cut really, really hard, you've created your own speed. You're not going as fast as the boat anymore. You're going faster. So in this regard, that's going to be the same thing. The trouble is, is if you're a beginner, it's kind of difficult to get the feeling of cut, 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 really, really, really hard, hold the line tension, and then get a, get a good jump and stay on the line. Because a lot of times when you go up, you'll lose the line because you loaded the line. You leave the water. There's no friction pushing you away from the boat. And unless you're consciously leaning into the rope, you have zero rope in your hands. And now all of a sudden you've got a lot of slack and landing can be very sporadic. You don't know whether or not you're going to land exactly how you had it. And then when the line catches you again, has it going to take you off balance? It's one of those things that I would highly recommend do a couple jumps at 20 to 22. 
feel it because you can keep your line tension much easier. The boat will take that slack out faster the faster you go. So you cut out into the air. Don't start at the wake. Get on the troughs. Get on the outside. Give yourself a little bit of a jump. Now, how do we jump? You've got your good balance point. You got your chest forward just slightly. You got your hands pretty straight. You have a little bit of foot pressure. The key is the same exact concept of when you're driving down the highway and you've got your hand outside the window and you're flying your hand, right? Well, how do you make it go up sharper? You make it go up sharper by being in control of the movement. So if you take the hydrofoil and you make it go down slightly, that means that when you wanna go up, it's gonna respond and it will do just that. Now, if you just try to pull it up, you'll see that you can't really make it get steep very quick. So if you leave the water and you're just coming out at this angle, that, that's not really going to give you much air, and it's actually going to be a very difficult landing. Because if you come out flat, then as soon as that wing hits again, your momentum is going to be slightly forward in your chest. And then you're going to land nose heavy, and it's most likely going to end in a crash. So when you jump, you want to have your arms pretty straight and you're laying on the line. The line tension is everything. You need to be leaning away from the boat slightly. Bring that T-bar off your cut just a little bit, and then you're going to take it forward by pushing your feet just a smidge, and then you'll pull your knees up, feet up, however you want to interpret that. Pull it up, and you'll see that you'll get some air. Now, the key is you're jumping on that cut that you've worked on. So when you've done this cut a million times, like we talked about before, skiing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you want to jump and stay on that line. If you jump and move directly to the boat, you're going to land with a ton of slack. Now you can do that. I did that for a lot of years, you know, when, or not a lot of years, I guess I've only been doing it for two or three, but um, I did it up for many, many, many jumps. When you jump, you load the line and you allow it to bring you to the boat. And when you come to the boat, you land with an awful lot of slack. You can land it. You definitely can. If you're balanced and you land properly in the water, that's great. But more often than not, you're going to be very off balance to where when you do a flip, it's just going to end in disaster. So if your goal is flipping, then you got to stick to the fundamentals and you, you've got to learn some of these basic principles to take you to that level at that time. So here we go again. I'm going to do an air jump on the right side from the rider's perspective. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get outside the wake and I'll be very controlled at this point. And I'm going to go out the same distance every time. I'm not going to go farther and then I'm going to go shorter and then I'll go farther. You want to take it out to where your timing is just right because that means that it will be the same every time you practice it. It's just like shooting a jump shot. Do you think that anybody that just started out could nail a jump shot their first shot? Of course not. They practice, they practice, they practice. They got a jump shot. But did they start with a fadeaway? No, they started with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jump shots to where that fadeaway still had the fundamentals of their jump shot. And when they went for the fadeaway, they could still make that shot at a lower percentage, but then they started getting better at that movement. But the fundamentals from the beginning is what actually allowed that to take place. And I think that you're going to find that with this specific um, type of thing as well, hydrofoiling. It's more about timing and the trick is at a specific spot. It's not a backflip. You're not doing a jump. You're not doing a grab. Every single one of them, you could call it a different trick because it's a different line position from the angle of the boat. It took you longer to get to the cut. Now, if you are really advanced, and as I've progressed, I can do a trick most anywhere. But there's slight micro things that you have to do with the rope. 
Um, and there's different body positions to make the trick take place in a different area. So when you're starting out, having the idea that you can do a, a roll, you know, uh, let's do it in a cut timing format. So if you get outside the wake and you lean and you start cutting and you cut for one, two, three, four, and then you throw a trick and then you get back and you go, okay, I'm going to try this again. And then you cut one, two, three, and throw the trick completely different feeling in your hands and it's a completely different sensation so you've got to really understand that if you want to progress fast then your trick should be at the same spot every time until you master the movement and then you'll have a lot more freedom in your ride because you understand the fundamentals of what it took to be in position and on time so if you start outside that trough and you start cutting Find that little second that is the same pocket every time. The farther you get from the wake, the less of a smack you can have. The closer you are to the wake, the more of a smack you can have. Does that make sense? And that's because the boat's pulling you faster. You get more aligned tension. So it can really yank you on your head the closer you are to the wake. So if you're new to jumping, your idea should be get outside the wake, cut out for that four or five seconds and move to that same spot every single time. One, two, three, four, hop. One, two, three, four, hop. And as I said, as you become more advanced, the game changes, okay? So what I mean by the game changes is four second cut for me, I'm gonna cover way more ground than what you're gonna be getting as a beginner. When you cut for four seconds, it's a nice, easy cut. That four seconds is going to put you in that same spot every time. If a more advanced rider, they may be on that same position for that flip or that jump would be at a two-second cut. So it's all relative to your level of riding. But whenever you're learning to jump, so let's kind of get through that part finally. If you cut out for four seconds and then you give your hop, the key is to keep your hands very low. When you get into the air, you have to remember that you have to land again on your wings in the same position. So how do you do that? You get out there, you let your feet go down a smidge, you pull your knees up, and you get some air. You have to keep your chest in front of your T-bar. Don't lean way back. You've got to stay forward, and when you get air, keep those hands down by your hip. Don't think so much about hands by your hip as much as understand why. You have to have your hands by your center of gravity so that you land in the same position. That thing is a big, big fulcrum that you're moving. So if you got to think if your hand's high, it's going to move different than if your hands are low. If your hands are in the wrong position, your ski is going to respond to where your hands are. So when you jump, you need the load of the line to pull your mass in the direction that you want it. So make sure that you keep your hands nice and low as you're progressing through your first jumps. Learn how to do them on the left and the right. As soon as you land a couple on the right, move to the left. It's going to feel very weird. You'll probably feel like you're starting all over, and you are. Every time that you move to the side that you do not like, it's going to feel like you're absolutely starting over, and that's okay. I mean, you're as soon as you learn your offside, you never have a problem with the side you're comfortable with ever again. It almost makes you learn the function much better. I remember when I was learning wake rolls, uh, they call it a wake roll or they call it an air roll. Uh, air rolls on the sides, wake roll is at the wake. 
I was doing air rolls and I was maybe landing like 30% of them. I was getting crushed. Uh, I would go out there and, and I didn't do some of these recommendations. I was going 23, 24, kind of right out of the gate, spinning quick, trying to get this flip as fast as I could. But that's kind of where my advice comes in. I'll move to the next thing. I got 30 or 40% I would land, but I had a goal to hit that I was going to do a wake roll by July 1st. I'll never forget it. I was out there with my buddy Josh and Carmen and uh, Carl, and um, I come in at the wake. Josh gives me some advice. Keep the rope down. Just do it small. Just go around. I think you're going to be all right. Something along those lines. And sure as can be, I actually landed it. And, and uh, I landed probably less of a percentage, maybe like 15% for a couple rides. But as soon as I landed at the wake, my air rolls, I was probably 85%. Uh, completion. So always take that next step, move to the next thing. So you, if you're starting on your air jumps out wide, then go over to the other side and start progressing through those. After you get comfortable there, then the wake, of course, the, the monster at the middle of the water, the terrifying, um, infamous wake that everyone gets so terrified of. And it, what the, the crazy thing about hydrofoiling is you can do a trick literally everywhere. So you can do it, and it's different than most sports. What what other sport on the water can you honestly do the level of trick at the wake or beside the boat? There, there's literally nothing. So uh, what happens is you'll get comfortable with these non-dangerous areas out to the side of the boat, and then that wake all of a sudden is scary because you get a ton of line tension coming at the boat, and when you jump, you jump. Um, they count frames in hydrofoiling. So uh, imagine if you're clicking on a, a video editing software and every click is a frame. So if you hit the wake, you're going to be between maybe one and four frames higher than you would be uh, in any air trick. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you if you've never counted frames, but from like an oh crap setting, when you hit the wake, it is significantly more line tension and terrifying if you go at it like you do in the air. So there's a transition period where you're going to have to move these tricks from your air stuff to the wake that a lot of people struggle with. And it, it's warranted. It, it can really smack you if you uh, jump up there and you land on your head. Because just like wakeboarding, when you catch an edge, and you land on your head, hydrofoiling can have a similar type of thing if you get off balanced and you hit that wing and really get whacked. At the same time though, don't think this has to be a dangerous sport. If you're not going over 20, 21 miles an hour, it's very difficult to make the ski leave the water in a painful fashion. If you take a little baby hop, you're not gonna get hurt by that because you're moving so slow. But when you get into that 21, 22, 23 range or anything above, some of the big air riders are riding, you know, I've seen 29, 31 miles an hour to go really, really big. And I promise you that'll hurt no matter what you do. When you land in the water, that is not going to feel good. Uh, fastest I've ever been is uh, 26. And the falls are definitely more intense. It's uh, the speed will hurt. But when you come up and you start learning these wake tricks, you got to start a little slow. I'm a big fan of changing boat speed. So if you are starting to learn your air tricks and you're progressing and now you're maybe 23, 24 miles an hour, you're enjoying yourself, but you want to take the next step. Take your ride at 23, 24, get a little loose, go for about five, six minutes, and then slow the boat back down and do your tricks at the wake. So if you're doing a nice little air jump on the right, a little air jump on the left, Okay, slow the boat down two or three miles an hour and cut at it like you want to jump it. 
And that feeling at the wake is going to feel very similar to what you were doing already at a faster boat speed because it gives you that boost. Like I said, one to three, one to four frames you're going to get when you hit the wake. So as you start doing those tricks towards the wake, if you slow the boat speed down, the feeling in your hands and what it actually feels like to hit the wake is going to be very similar to a faster boat speed at an air trick. Now, all of this is with all the other rules that we were talking about, being on the line, leaning away from the boat, staying on your cut. All those things take a long time to develop, but as you progress, it's gonna make more and more and more sense. The next thing that I would say is let's learn how to flip. Flipping is pretty chaotic. As you've seen in this loop that I've got running for you, you know, I took a lot of tumbles, lots and lots and lots of tumbles. And I don't know that you're really going to get to be the best at anything unless you're willing to play with the devil a little bit, so to speak. Um, the first time you try to flip, listen to the people you're with. I would not recommend doing this unless you're with some flipping people, if you know what I mean. Um, I think one of the reasons why I progress so much is because I've had so much very good coaching. So when you want to do it, make sure you've got someone on the boat. You can always go to a fly-in, uh, look up hydrofoiling, sit down fly-ins. There's several of them in the country throughout the year. These people are really awesome. They'll help you get better at about anything. So head out there if you're ready to flip and you've been hydrofoiling and you're at that point. You can get a ton of tips in that atmosphere that's going to help you. But generically, if you want to use this as like a refer back to video, when you start flipping, it's going to be similar to the jump, but you have to really make sure that you keep your chest in front of the T-bar. There are a lot of riders that are better than me that have explained this to me, but in my interpretation, what I feel like I'm doing um, is the best for me, and it may be the best for you. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but when you cut out, you're going to start with the air stuff, not at the wake. You're going to start at the air stuff. So run out, and just like you were doing those good air jumps, the only difference is going to be is basically when you leave the water, you're going to look up a little bit. The discrepancy here is it's not that easy, but it is that easy. As you become more advanced and you cut with more speed and the boat speed increases, I mean to tell you it literally is just an eyebrow that lifts to make you flip. If you're moving slower and you're at 22, 21, 23 miles an hour and you're not a super aggressive cutter, you're going to find that it's more of a flip. When you get that air, you've got to use some upper body. You can kind of torque your torso to the side a little bit to make the ski come around. Um, all those things are very true. So when you hear the advice that it's just an eyebrow, it really depends on how fast you're going and how much you have the line loaded. There are a lot of riders that can get really big air at 18, 20 miles an hour because they load the line and they race to a certain ski speed. When they get the ski moving super fast, it's going to do the same thing as it was doing when the boat was moving super fast, helping them gain that ski speed. So think about that when you're going out there. If you're not cutting very aggressively and you don't have a ton of line in your hand, and you should know what that means. If you've done the cutting from side to side and trying to race that thing, all the way back and forth, then you know what a lot of line is. And if you don't go at the, if you're not going at it with a lot of line, then just know it may require a little bit of upper body to make that flip work. But if you're going very fast and you're good at cutting, then start with just a little head movement. You're going to pop, let the ski come out of the water, 
and then give a little head movement. You should not be doing the flip before the wings leave the water. I think that's one of the hardest things to feel as a rider right out of the gate is that when you race out to the side and as soon as that nose starts coming up, you, you really do feel like the wings are out of the water and they are definitely not. So when you take your center off the T-bar, you know, here's the ski, here's the T-bar. So now I'm just going to hold the ski. When you take your back past the T-bar, your center of gravity is all wonky when you leave the water. It's going to be kind of almost like a slingshot. You put your mass behind the T-bar. The T-bar is going to chase you as fast as it can as soon as it has no friction from the water. Boom, you spin out really, really, really quick. So to prevent that, you've got to really start feeling when the ski leaves the water. And oftentimes, that's just from staying forward. So when you go, you'll get your line tension, you'll give a little foot pressure, you'll bring your knees up, and your chest has to stay forward in front of the T-bar. Boom, you'll get the air, you'll do your flip, you'll give your look, and then this part is a little bit of athleticism. Unfortunately, there's no real way to tell you how to land other than read the water and land and land on your butt. You just have to feel it. There's no way that I could walk you through specifically what the sensation is to make you land perfectly. If I was watching you ride or many other riders would be the same way. You just kind of have to adjust with what you're looking at or what your body's doing and then fix those parts. But you really got to start it from square one, go out on the four second cut, make the flip at the exact same location every time. And when you load the line and you flip, stay in front of the T-bar Give a little bit of that head movement. If you're not cutting hard, maybe a little bit more upper body. But remember, when you land, you can't be behind the T-bar. You should land and be skiing instantly. That's the end goal. So your body positioning that you're leaving the water, or I should say, your body positioning when you're skiing to the jump will be very similar to how it semi should be when you land. You can't have your back behind the T-bar. You can't have your chest way too far forward or you'll dunk the ski. You can't have your hands way over here, down here, up top. Where were they when you were cutting? They were low, right by your hip, and that's where they should be. They got to be low and right by your hip. Now, when you get that flip and when you're coming around, the key is to keep your hands low and by your hip. You're definitely going to see a million riders not do exactly that that are better than you. And it's because when you start jumping really high in the air, you have to fix things. And you're doing things to keep line tension and keep control of your body. At this point, you will not want to worry about this whatsoever. Your one goal should be to keep your hands low and by your hip. Because as soon as you go upside down, you're not really going to know where you're at. It's a crazy thing to go upside down and feel like you've ever felt a flip before. But when you've got this big pendulum behind you swinging around like an anchor, it moves around very quick. And it feels very chaotic the first couple. So when you go and you flip, you keep your hands down by your side and just think about your hands and then land when you see the water. Look for the water. You got to look for the water so your body can just start doing things for you. Similar like jumping off of a, a bus or something. If you jumped off, do you think that uh, if you weren't staring right at the ground, your body wouldn't know how to land? No, you know how to land on your feet. In this world, you got to land on your butt. So it's going to take you a while to leave the water and then land on your butt. But that's what you have to do. You go, you spin, and you land on the seat, and then you instantly get back into flight. The less 
line tension that you can lose, the better. So if you notice that if you're watching video of yourself and you're trying to master this, if you notice that when you flip, your whole line lays in the water, it's because you didn't stay on your cut. So if I'm going at a flip and I flip and then I land and I let my body square to the boat and I lost all my rope, or I'm almost, here's this pendulum, I'm doing this flip and I'm kind of subconsciously, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay on that. So if you stay on that, you should see your line uh, sit pretty taunt through the entire flip. Now, as it flips, when you land, then you're going to catch that flight right away. So as soon as you get good at keeping your tension on your line cut and then on your flip, it should be the same way. You flip, you hold the line, and this is not that easy to learn. Uh, it takes a really long time to feel the sensation of staying on cut. But I have to say that if you know that that's what you're working for, it's going to be far easier than being clueless. You know, if, if you go up and you do a flip and you land with slack, that doesn't mean it was a good flip. That doesn't mean you're going to land them all. So if you know that that line should stay taunt the whole time, I feel like this is a, something that's helped me an awful lot to realize that that rope really needs to be tight the entire time. And I wasn't focused on it for a lot of jumps. I mean, I probably for a whole year never even thought about that. I did the flip. I'm looking to land. But control comes with line tension. So you want to stay on that. Um, as I said before, that, that would be your air tricks. I think in a future video, we'll maybe talk more about moving it to the wake and all those kinds of things. I think we could separate these a bit. But I kind of wanted to get into like big air just a, a little bit where I'm at because over the next summer, I'm hoping that it's going to be in a different place. Um, I think that right now, big air for anyone that's looking at getting more frames, the one thing that you got to realize is that it, ski speed is more important than anything. If you're like me, you've probably watched a ton of videos and you love getting advice because you want to progress. And when you're looking at getting more air, it kind of happens at a really early stage. You know, as soon as you get your first jump, you're like, oh man, that guy can jump way higher than me. That girl can jump higher than me. How do I get higher? Well, in my mind, the height is built on all the fundamentals of the line tension. So if you have built that line tension game to where you're always on the line, you're doing your air rolls, you're doing your wake jumps, you can do your, your wake rolls and keep the line tension, then the real variable is ski speed. So you can speed the boat up to make your ski go faster, but if you don't cut as hard, you completely negate the whole thing. You know, I test boat speed all the time and I was going, you know, I like to ride 24, 25, and then I kind of, you know, got a wild hair and I started trying to ride 26 because I thought it would make me go much higher. But what I found is that I was not cutting as hard because the ski, I was not used to that speed. So at 26 miles an hour, I wasn't cutting near as hard. Well, when you don't cut near as hard, truly the ski speed itself is going to be just the same as it was if I was going 25 and cutting aggressively or maybe even slower. So what I was finding is I was actually losing air because I was not cutting near as aggressive. So as you progress through this and you're always wanting to get better, keep your eyes on the prize on what pieces matter. Line tension matters for control. It matters for higher air. Ski speed is required to go higher. And let me give you one example. If I'm doing wake rolls and I cut at X speed, then you may only be able to get a certain height in the air. So in the frame world, I know some of this may not mean a whole lot to a lot of you, but this is how we count things in hydrofoiling to understand how high you are and how you're progressing. So if you come in at a wake and you're at a 41 to 43 frame wake roll 
and some of them that aren't so good are 39, and some of them that are as good as you could possibly hit it were 44. Well, you've got to know that if you want to go 48 or 50 or anything in that category, or say you're down 10 frames and you're in the 30s, better pop and a better jump and better hand position is only going to get you one, two, or three frames. If you want to get into a next level of air, a next chunk, it's ski speed. All the other things have to remain consistent. You have to be cutting super aggressively to get everything out of the boat speed that you have. You have to be able to maintain line tension so that the line can carry you through the trick. But if you don't cut aggressively and you're not getting that ski to truly go faster, it doesn't matter if you take the boat faster. It doesn't matter if you take the boat slower. If you create the same ski speed, you're going to get X number of height. And it's going to be in that four-ish frame window of the best pop you possibly could have got or kind of you made a couple mistakes on that jump. In my mind, I would suggest not focusing on all the little things because that's what I do. I really focused on all the micro movements in it. And, oh, I must not have got high because I, I did lift my hands a little bit. I didn't get that high because I could have probably got the ski just a little steeper. But really, my cut speed never changed once. So if my cut speed remains the same and I'm dabbling with all these small tweaks that don't really even equate to what I'm truly going for, you're really not getting anywhere. So keep that in mind as you're chasing bigger air, that ski speed is most important. If you're filming yourself and you have the same approach to the wake and or the air roll and your body literally is not moving any faster, you will not jump higher. I've learned that through skiing many, 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 many times and trying to get more air. You're basically just shuffling the cards, not really getting to a new place because you're focused on the wrong things. So as you kind of get into this jumping stuff, I think I'll make some more videos on ways I interpret different tricks, um, ways that I like to kind of help anybody that needs help hydrofoiling that has really worked for me. I've got some other tricks up my sleeve that I'll send your way. Uh, but for now, I think that kind of wraps it up. If you got any questions, please leave me a comment. If you uh, would like to know more about topics that we're going to be doing in the future, give me some suggestions. Um, but anyway, this is uh, the Trevor Tysman Show. We'll be hosting this on kbandstraining.com. Let me know if you guys got any questions. Appreciate your time. Bye.